Hello and welcome to the Tapping Up podcast with myself, Daryl, and as always, Ian. Bit of a quick turnaround from the last episode. Um, again, we've already apologised. We won't apologise anymore. People can get fucked. <laughs> I, I know. I, I know they. I, I know they want to hear our uh, our voices, our our valued opinions. Um, but yeah, like life gets in the way sometimes, and fuck ups happen when you give someone a rock star microphone. So. Uh, I blame you for the delay on that one. But the thing is, if you look at it that way, you can be a glass half empty kind of guy and say, well, didn't get an episode last week. Or you could be a glass half full kind of guy and say, I've got two in three days. So, Totally true. Totally true. Um, We'll get cracking straight on with it then. So we have uh, UFC 287 coming up this weekend. Uh, In fact, it is tomorrow. Do we know what time it is? Oh. Trying to figure this out because um, it's is it Miami. Uh, uh, yes, Miami. Miami is East Coast, so it'll be slightly earlier than the usual in uh, Vegas. So I think East Coast is something like four hours ahead. So I don't think it will be a five in the morning for the main fight, but it might be like two or three. But given it's a um, bank holiday weekend, I am definitely staying up for that one. Oh, I don't know. I've got plenty of plans i've got like junkyard golf planned i've got a drink out in ponte probably at one point i'm very busy man got a, uh, a seriously more social calendar than me so uh i'm not what john, john wick four is on the cards for me uh to get ready i did the double of john wick two and three last night with nothing else to do with uh, a few rums and so, a five guys uh, and a five guys. So, uh, yeah, treated myself last night. Um, could, I, I could get used to this, the missus not being away, to be totally honest with you. I'm delighted. not being away or the missus being away? The missus being away. Obviously, I'm delighted that she's back today. I can't wait to see her. But if, if it turned out she was away for a few days longer, it wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world. This is one of these things that obviously people can't see as faces when recording this. Your face paints a perfect picture of what you actually mean here. Um, which, of course, means that you, you're very much excited for Claire to come back. I was going to say, thanks very week. much in case she should ever <laughs> listen to this, which she doesn't. She's like, all oh, right, so you don't want me to fucking come back. So uh, I'm delighted that she's coming back. And my, my face tells exactly that story as I'm beaming from ear to ear and can't wait to see her walk through the door. What are you shaking your head for and giving me a thumbs down as she's saying it? I, I'm not shaking my head. I'm just uh, doing the sort of death thing across my uh, nose and pretending to wrap my microphone thing around my neck is what I'm really doing. But, Pencil um, straight up the nose. Um, do you want to start with the main fight then? Got and to. Go. Um, so a uh, uh, pretty quick turnaround in terms of the rematch. Uh, nice. Again, I like it when we get uh, the number one contender and the champ. So no, none of this fucking... Someone number seven getting a, a, a title fight. Um, you've obviously got Pereira. If you count the kickboxing victories he's got, is currently uh, three and zero uh, against uh, Adesanya. Two knockouts, one in the UFC, one in kickboxing, and a decision. Um, I watched back a couple of them last night in between John Wick and three and zero is actually quite deceiving because he was clearly winning 3-1 in the UFC fight before he got knocked out uh, and he's doing quite well 
and the fight that he lost by decision, he was also probably winning before Pereira knocked him out. Um, so he he. It, it, it's not quite as mismatched as it, as it seems, and he, he's got some skills. It's just, I, I don't remember for a long time seeing someone, Poetang, with that ability to knock somebody out and that power, and carrying that power through into the fifth round is something very, very rare. His left hook is astonishing in terms of the power, and he just doesn't seem to fade. You watch a lot of UFC fighters and they come out like a train, two, three rounds. They've got that power. And as they get tired, it seems to to drop. Does not happen with Pereira. He carries that power the whole way through the fight. And he is a frightening human being. It's funny you should say that because, uh, I mean, one of the things that we had for the Bonner segment last week, which we won't count it as being a week because obviously it's only been a couple of days so we'll give people an extra week for the bonus segment uh this time and and essentially not do another one this week but um well we could uh, double it up we can make them watch both make them watch 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 the first one and uh watch the second one give them a bit of a double homework um like back at school but um, i like how you say make them watch as if they're going to be like oh shit daryl and ian have told me to do it i better do it i'll be in trouble if i don't Oh, I'm sure they will. Our listeners know that I'll come out and fucking poetang them if they don't watch that. So, uh, um, yeah, I, I did watch it ready in preparation for this just in case because it was a quick turnaround. But, um, yeah, it was a quick uh, since we last said it only a couple of days ago. So we'll let people off and perhaps not go into that today. Well, what I was going to say is that I've done the same, so I've watched it as well um, in, in prep because we obviously do our own homework. Otherwise, it'd be very unfair to say it for other people. Um, but I agree. I think that he was comfortably winning. I think he would have, Adesanya would have scored a knockdown in the first round if it wasn't for the... If there was another minute in the, the first... Out. If there yeah. was another 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 minute in that first round, it could have been done. He was absolutely rocked, Persang, on wobbly legs and looked in real trouble if there was another minute in that first round could have been over there and then uh, but again great you've, you've got to give credit to someone who is hurt like that and within a minute sits down on the stool recovers and comes back and shows no ill effects of that in the second round so uh, again testament to them I mean as we said before Adesanya when he went up to fight for the light heavyweight title think he weighed in at like 197 pounds. So he's not a big guy, doesn't carry that power. Poetang is fucking huge. As you say, he weighs in at 185. It would have been, um, yeah, well, 185 because it was a title fight today. I guarantee you'll be 220 by the time um, the fight happens. He is a monster of a man. And um, I, I still can't believe he makes that weight cut to most. He must have probably one of the most severe weight cuts in the whole of the UFC, I would have thought. Well, we'll come back on to the weight cut because I've got a question about that for you. But in terms of, and just sort of finish up on that first fight, as I say, I had him comfortably losing until the fifth and final round at which he obviously landed that first ball, upload that got the ball rolling and that combination that ended him uh, the fight and won him the, the title. Immediate rematch or quadrilogy whatever you want to call it depending on your perspective was obviously the the next logical step um and a lot of of this result i think is reliant on adesanya's physique and his approach um i think on his feet 
he seemed more than capable of, of pouring on volume while staying quite slick defensively, uh, more often than not, and, and certainly in the, the previous kickboxing matches. And they're, they're definitely worth a watch, I think, for people who haven't taken a look at them. Obviously, it's a different format, but it's certainly worth just taking a look and seeing the matchup of them skills there. But as soon as Pereira comes out and, and gets that one blow, it just changes the fight. It, it flips on its head. And I think it'll happen again. I, I genuinely do. I think is aware of it. It is frightening. And from what I've read, and if you were being very sensible, I've seen a few pros say this, Alessandro has just been working on his wrestling. That is going to be the key to the fight for me, is if he can be improving on his wrestling, Poetang is a striker. He's a brown belt at jiu-jitsu, so he's no slack but uh, uh, on the floor, but he's not renowned for his ground game. So if Adesanya takes a completely different approach here, uh, I think it plays into Poetang's hands. If he just stands and trades with him, that's suicide to to, to some degree. Um, And if he just decides to kind of wrestle fuck Poetang, take him down. And of course, in the first fight, he did actually have, which is unseen usually from Adesanya, um, some wrestling. And he took him down a few times. He had a lot of success, yeah. Put, put him put him in a in a little bit of trouble. Um, equally, from what I've read, I think Poetang is no mug. He knows that that's probably likely to happen, and he's been working very hard with wrestlers to stuff takedowns and to work on that. If that is the case, so the the wrestling is the route to victory for me for Adesanya rather than his usual kickboxing um, ability. Um, but if it stays on uh, on the feet, I think it could be a very long night for Adesanya. Um, I also saw a thing about where Adesanya even came out and said, I'm the reason that Poetang's champion. I'm a good matchup for him. I stand up. I will stand and trade with someone. If he was to fight a a, a better wrestler, I think Poetang could look fairly average and get taken down quite severely. So I think there's an element there of Poetang is being made to look better by Adesanya and his style. Someone like Whitaker would be a bad matchup. Even, I hate to say it because I'm not his biggest fan, Vittori. Vittori would not be a good matchup for, for Poetang because of the, the pressure, the forward wrestling that he puts on people. So it will be interesting to see if um, Poetang wins where the, the next matchup is and who they put him against. The next matchup for me will, will be Whitaker. And again, we'll, we'll come on to that just a very quick sort of um, finishing upon, on, in my opinion anyway, but uh, we'll finish upon uh, Adesanya. I think that in terms of this, you're absolutely spot on. I think it's all to do with the wrestling. His offensive wrestling isn't particularly pretty, I think, Adesanya's. But in the first fight, he clearly had some success with it and... Um, as we said, he was clearly up on the scorecards until that, that finish. Um, I think he's essentially going to give him 25 minutes. I think Adesanya is going to give him 25 minutes to knock him out. And if he doesn't knock him out, he'll win. And it'll be as simple as that. I don't think he's got good wrestling. I think, in fact, he's got very basic wrestling. It's just that Poetang has got very little defence. And he's, 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 a, yeah, he's a two two glory, the only ever, I've said this before, two division glory kickboxer. He's not used to being taken down. It doesn't take someone with the the greatest level of takedown probably to take him down. 
you put him against someone like, I know he's not in the UFC anymore, Yo Romero, fuck me. He would be in for a shocker of a night if they put someone like Yo Romero against him because he is just not going to be able to take stop that takedown. You know, Kamaev, we've talked about that. Big weight difference and Kamaev would be very similar in terms of taking him down. Um, but it, it's very interesting just on the Whitaker point, because I saw uh, you mention it. I've, I've got a little note here. Did you see uh, uh, he was interviewed? I think it was on Ariel Hawani's uh, show or another MMA one. And um, he was asked the question, is he rooting for anyone? Uh, and his exact comments were no. In fact, I hope they both fuck each other up to the point that they take something away from each other so I can beat the fuck out of them, whoever, whoever's next. So it was Cost, quite interesting, yeah. I thought, from, from Whitaker to basically say, I, I, and you get that with fights, that, that, that there are certain fights where there's such wars, it takes something out of people. They're, they're never quite the same if they're engaged in a 25-minute brawl. And if it does go that way, which I, I don't think it will this time, I've got to be honest, I think it will be a slightly different from the first fight. Um, there's some sense in that and some logic that, you know, he doesn't what, you know, Whitaker would be a bad matchup. You know, his star is fading. He He's not quite the, the, the fearsome warrior that he was two or three years ago when he ruled over the division with an iron fist. But I thought that was an interesting thing for him to say of, look, don't care who wins. And in fact, I want them both to knock seven bells of shit out of each other because it should make it an easier match for me if I get the winner. Well, Whitaker obviously has already lost twice to Adesanya, once by uh, knockout, and correct me if I'm wrong, the other by a unanimous decision? Correct, I believe. Cer- certainly a knockout. I can't remember the, the, the second one, if I'm, if I'm honest with you. Um, what so you, one... would, you would expect that he'd want Pereira, is the point that we're going to make there. I, I don't... Yeah, I... I think I, I think I everybody think. would quite fancy Pereira because Adesanya is considerably a bit more rounded. Um, I think there'll be people queuing up because of the holes in Poetang's game that fancy their chances. The problem is, is it's similar to a, a Shane Carwin, a Brock Lesnar. Can you withstand that power? Everybody is amazing until they get punched in the face. And I think people underestimate the pure power that Poetang has and that left hook in particular that he has. He has some amazing switch kicks, which which do the damage, particularly to the legs, stop your movement. But his left hook is one of the best hooks I've ever seen. You know, the power, the torque. Is, it, 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 he, he, the other thing that surprises me with him is how he, he's Connor-esque in that everything he throws is with incredibly bad intentions and with full power. And again, the ability to continue to be able to use that power for 25 minutes is very, very impressive and shows his conditioning. So, um, it, yeah, uh, I, I've got to be honest, I'm, I'm going Poetang again. I'm a massive fan of his. I, I think he's been the boogeyman for a while and, and, and hasn't come in. One thing that I thought was really interesting, so I was having a look at, I did a bit of a deep dive on him Um last night before this just to have a little look so his uh kickboxing record is 33 and 7 so he's got a pretty good kickboxing record uh and he was talking about um how he in his amateur kickboxing record he had 28 fights he won 25 of them the three he lost 
were to the exact same opponent. And he actually said, again, not quoting him directly, but words to this effect, this guy had my number. If I fought him now and he hadn't trained for five years, he would still beat me. He has my number. And I feel like I've got that over Adesanya, which I thought was quite an interesting point of view. Do you think, just going back to something that you said previously in terms of his uh, cutting of his weight and the the fact that he's starting to cut quite a considerable amount of time out of um, or outside of the fight, um, can you see him going up? Can you see him going up to 205? Yeah, after this? definitely. I, 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 no, weight cutting is the worst part. You ask any MMA fighter, that is the thing they hate the most. It drains you. It's it's dangerous in terms of the dehydration it does to your body. Um, the, your ability to, to rehydrate is a massive point, and it doesn't seem to have affected him in his fight so far. But there is going to come a point where he just gets to the point and he's like, nah, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm too old. I can't be asked for that. And 205 would be the obvious next move. And if he's sensible, uh, again, in my, only in my opinion, that's the move. Take Adesanya, who was who was the dominant champion. A lot of people would, would would argue he would be at least. I've heard he's the best middleweight ever, which is nonsense compared to Anderson Silva. Probably the second best middleweight ever. Um, he's beaten him twice. He, he ran through everybody else. Two oh five is the obvious one going up. But again, he is a big boy. He's going up against bigger boys than you know your Prohaskas. Uh, your Blahoviches, people like that are huge guys. And um, whether that power would translate and whether we would be able to knock them out in the same way that he can to the, for, for the, the 85ers would be uh, something I'd be interested to see. But um, personally, that would not surprise me at all if at the end of it, uh, after this, he says, that's it, I'm done at 185, put me up to 205. And he would probably based on how his performance goes today, could easily fly himself straight into a title fight. Um, the, 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 the one for me, Braska comes back, bang, put them two together. You think? Yeah. So you think he's going to, obviously we're, we're talking about a lot of um, hypotheticals there. So what, Praska comes back, takes on Hill, takes his title, then fights Pereira. <laughs> He'll get slept on because Hill is fucking huge. I mean, Hill must come in at 340. Hill is 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 huge for that weight class and probably could take a licking in terms of the punches that he could take. But um Poetang for me feels like the star that they are building and that they've been missing after John Jones and um Connor. He's got that backstory, he's you know, he's from a descendant of an Amazonian tribe, which is why he comes in in all this kind of bizarre Brazilian type garb when he when when he comes in. He's the one for me, it feels like they're building and looking to be the next star. So um, Hill is no joke. And I, 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 I'm not sure I've been quite so impressed with anyone's performance recently than Hill uh, against Glover. Um, but there's definitely a time limit on Poetang. Maybe one more fight. Maybe it's Whitaker. Maybe it's, I mean, Vittori won, obviously, when we were at 286 that we disputed and probably shouldn't have. But um, one, two fights max, and he goes up for me. 
I don't see him fighting Prohaska straight away, personally. And I think the, the title picture as it is, I don't think you can put him straight against Hill. Would you test him against someone like Johnny Walker, maybe, or put him against Paul oh, Craig? It's gonna, it, 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 if you want to see a fucking joke fight, he's going to smash those two. He's going to run for them. And, and you're right, Prohaska, undoubtedly, because of the way that he incredibly um, impressively gave up the title and said, I'm not going to hold the division up, has to have, even with Dana's fucking comments and juggling about things, has to be the next contender when he's fit against Hill. Maybe Poetang takes a little bit of time off. Maybe he looks to put a bit of bulk on to make sure that he's a bit bigger for for those fights. And maybe he takes on the winner. Maybe in between he takes on another one. But what I like about him as well, he's very active. You know, he's, a, he's, he's not a cowboy Cerrone who takes five fights in a year, which I think is still the UFC record. But he, he's not one to be sitting back. I think he's 33. He knows time is not on his side in terms of his athletic prime. So he feels like he's here to make moves quickly. But um, yeah, if you look at that timeline, again, we still don't know exactly when Prohaska's back, but that would not surprise me. Prohaska Hill, next fight, maybe one more for, for Poa Tang. If he crushes whoever he does again, I think then that's the fight. Uh, Prohaska or Hill, winner of that, maybe takes on Poa Tang. We're both back in a Pereira knockout then. Do you know what? I, as much as I would like to think it would be a knockout, and I think that it's hard to doubt him because of the way that he fights and with that knockout power that that's the case, um, it wouldn't surprise me to some degree if it went to a decision this time. And maybe Izzy's a little bit more uh, cautious uh, he's a little bit more playing the distance and further away. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if that was the case. OK. Um, co-main event then. So we've got Burns and Masvidal. Um, it's a weird one, is this? Because obviously he's still the reigning BMF, which you always like to go on about. Uh, you're a big fan of that belt. Um, but I think he needs a win desperately here to remain relevant. I think... People still know his name, obviously, um, but Burns Masvidal is probably one of the least interesting fights on this card, in all honesty. You've got, obviously, uh, Yanez, who has the look of a rising star. You've got Holland, who is always interesting to have a, a, a watch, and I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about Holland in just a second. And then you've got Rosas Jr., who, um, far cry from being relevant in the rankings, but it's hard not to have interest in him, obviously, with him being 18 and fighting... You know, fully grown men. Um, but Masvidal hasn't had a victory since 2019, uh, since Diaz. And in all honesty, uh, again, tell me if I'm wrong here, I don't think he's come close. I don't think there's been any... A, a weird one, because he's on a three-fight three losing skid, so he's not where he should be in terms of that. He's still ranked 11 in the, in, in the rankings. Burns is number five. Uh, it's probably got title implications more for Burns than Masvidal. I can't see Masvidal, even if he won, he'd get in a, a title shot at, at uh, well away. Burns, I think, with an impressive performance, could thrust himself into into contention. Um, Burns has some of the slickest jiu-jitsu you'll see in the whole of MMA, if probably the best in the division. 
And he's another one that has rapidly improving striking skills. So um, good fight. Masvidal, we know what he can do in terms of his, his five-second KO of Askren. And if he needs to, um, he's got those skills. If Byrne takes him down and uh, just decides to, to jitsu him, wrestle him, could be a real long night for Masvidal. And I would be surprised personally. I love Masvidal. I like his personality. I like his, his, his ballsiness. I like the way that he, he does things. He doesn't give a fuck. But I probably see Burns winning this one, if I'm honest with you. I've got Burns by decision. I think it's a really terrible matchup, is this. Um, stylistically, I think Burns will be quite comfortable, to be honest. I did see, I know you're not the, uh, as much of a fan of Rogan as me, but uh, Jorge was on Rogan uh, in the last couple of weeks and they were talking about this fight. And he was basically saying, look, I don't need to practice striking. I've, I've been a striker my whole life. I think I've told you before where Masvidal actually started was, if you can remember, and it might even be too long ago for you, it was called Backyard Brawls. Uh, and it was just basically fights in gardens with, I forget the guy's name now that sadly passed away. I uh, was in the UFC for a little bit. Massive guy. Um, and they used to just do fights in the gardens. And... Jorge was fighting men at 17. So his skills in terms of that respect are very that are, are incredible. Jorge said pure focus of his training camp had been wrestling to prepare for what he knew that uh, Burns was going to try and do to him. Regardless, I think it only goes one way. I, I just, he, again, I don't disagree. He is a likeable character, is Masvidal. But I just don't think it's there anymore. And to be honest, I don't know if the motivation's there anymore for him. I, it just seems to be lacking in that fight and drive. And I get that he's been on Rogan and stuff, but do you see him ever getting back in the title picture, realistically? He's, he's too old. I think he's 37. He's one of those that is quite clever. He's expanding his uh, out-of-cage activities in terms of it appears to me that he's preparing for, for retirement. So he's got his own MMA promotion now, which I don't know if you saw at the weekend is uh, called Game Bread Boxing, where um, Roy Jones Jr. actually lost, which was a shock to Sergio Pettis. Did Aldo recently go on that? He did. Aldo beat Jeremy Stevens uh, on that card uh, as well. So Masvidal has got options that he's looking at and building. Um, he... he He's, he's an all or nothing guy for me. I, I I can see what you're saying and maybe it does feel like his um, interest and um, commitment to the sport is maybe waning and, and, and maybe reducing. But equally, I think you cannot sleep on him. And he's one of those guys, that if you take him too lightly and you think you're going to run through him, he's going to surprise you and fuck you up. He, he, he's also the type of guy... It depends on what you get on the day. Certain days he doesn't look at the races and mentally whether that's the case, whether he hasn't trained too hard. You get him on a good day and he is as good as anyone striking-wise in that division. But Burns goes through people like butter on the floor. His jiu-jitsu is at another level. He might have the best jiu-jitsu, I would say, in the MMA in terms of not pure jiu-jitsu, but Jiu-Jitsu utilised for MMA since Damian Meyer. 
So um, I don't see any other way than he tries to keep it on the floor, uh, standing up, gives Masvidal a little bit of a false sense of security, takes him down. If he takes him down, um, sub, sub by Burns all day, I would say. I'll go Burns by decision just to be different because... I always like to be different from you. Um, so that definitely won't happen, given your <laughs> incredible fight, uh, fight prediction skills. But um, only other fight, I've got to be honest, you're right, that Roses Jr. is on there. And obviously, rising star, young kid, very impressive. Um, the only other get, uh, one, personally, from looking at the, the card for me, that I thought was worth a discussion was Kevin Holland versus Pontonibio. Um, so welterweight fight, neither of them are ranked, so you've got nothing particularly on the line there. Um, could be a dangerous night for Kevin Holland because, uh, if you remember Kevin Holland's last fight, he took on um, Stephen, Stephen Thompson. Thompson, yeah, and decided as one of the worst decisions I've ever seen to stand and trade with a guy who is a incredibly high level kickboxer i think again don't quote me on this but i think thompson's kickboxing record was 61 and zero he is a phenomenal striker and his problem is always when people take him down kevin holland has an incredibly underrated ground game and very good jiu-jitsu uh, but Pontonibio is a slightly worse version if you like of thompson he's a brawler he can fucking bang. He's got an incredible punch. If Holland makes that same mistake of saying, do you know what? Let's go. Let's stand and trade. He's getting KO'd. If he uses his wrestling, he uses his jiu-jitsu to take him down, then he's got a very good chance because this is a Ponsonibio is another one that if he's in a stand-up fight, chances are he's going to win. If it goes down to, to the floor, he's got huge holes in his, in his ground game. So, um, you have to take your hat off to uh, Holland's um, durability uh, in that last fight. He took an absolute paste in from Stephen Thompson and still carried on. So he his stock went up in my eyes purely from how impressive that was. But um, yeah, interesting fight that one for me to see how it goes, whether Holland's learned his lesson and is now not going to be quite so foolish if that's the right word to try and stand and bang with someone who is a very very high level striker the news of the week fat frank is back what on earth are they doing <laughs> are, are they trying to get relegated i i I, I, so. I, 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 I I can't understand this one for the life of me it feels uh, I, i'm shocked absolutely shocked at what they think they're doing by doing that i get that they needed someone in the short term i get that he knows the club he was wank when he was there before is it just a case of chelsea can't do anything now in what they 12 I, I they can't make europe if you ask me even if they go on a run it feels like a rebuilding job it feels like it's a very short-term appointment just to the end of the season and they will go for someone of a far higher quality at that point. Um, they need to trim that squad. They've got far too many players. There's a, a fair few obvious candidates in there that they could probably sell, get rid of, slim that squad down and keep, send maybe a few players out on loan. 
I mean, someone like Mudrich, you don't really want to spend fucking 88 million or whatever they do and send him out on loan. But to me, he feels like someone who needs some experience in in uh, the Premier League or another big league to get his confidence back, to, to, to learn. So I could see him getting farmed out on loan. Uh, they need a striker. Um, wouldn't surprise me if, given Bowley doesn't seem to have any limits on his checkbook, uh, Osman would be the one I could see them throw in some, some cash at to try and get him. And he could be an absolute game changer, to be honest, for them. If, he, if they get a genuine, as I say, uh, we said on the previous podcast, if they had a proper striker against us, they would have absolutely demolished us on Wednesday. There's a few things to pick out of that. So I'll, I'll go through it. I'll sieve through it. First of all, Frank Lampard is one of the greatest managers of our generation. He succeeded at Derby, succeeded at Chelsea first time, succeeded at Everton. What a manager. Deserves the job. Secondly, they've got loads to play for because they're still in Champions League. They've literally got Madrid coming up soon. So this feels like throwing away that competition to a useless joke of a manager who people can make loads of um, memes about, etc. And I, I can't understand it. It must be... Do they have that... a realistic chance against Real? Yeah, of course they do. If they had... The players that they've got and the team that they've got is good enough to do very, very well. And I think it's evident. But not with that manager. It didn't work with Graham Potter. Why would it work with Frank Lampard? All he's going to do is put Mason Mount in, wank him off a little bit and ask him to score a few goals. Did you see what Real Madrid, Real Madrid away to Barca in the... 3-0. Copa del Rey? 4-0. 4 Smashed them at New Camp. Um, smashed us. Don't give Chelsea a... No, agreed, but don't give Chelsea a hope in hell of getting through that match. And if I'm if I'm Real, I'm probably fucking doing a jig and clicking my heels together in a Dick Van Dyke manner that they've appointed fucking Frank Lampard because that basically just guarantees their passage for me. I've got to highlight two other things that you said as well because if on the off chance we do have any Chelsea fans listening to this, which I'm sure we don't, Mudrick being sent out on loan might be one of the most ridiculous things that you've said on this podcast ever. It'd be like sending Saka out on loan when he wasn't doing that well last season. Just will not happen. Quite simply will not happen, especially with that that price. And secondly, they've got a striker, the bot and Cuckoo. Uh, true. Is that, yeah, but he's one that he's been sort of transformed into a striker, but he's not really an out and out, is he? He's You want to play him on one of the sides of a three you know, he reminds me a little bit of Werner. He's not an out-and-out. Out. He, he drifts in. He scores goals. He, he, great player, by the way. And, and I think he's fantastic. And he'll be a great signing for them. But I don't think he's exactly what they need. They need a poacher. They need an out-and-out out goal striker. Harry Kane, an Osman, someone who's just going to stay in the box and get your goals. And Cuckoo drops deep. He, he, he's involved in the build-up. He gets a lot of assists. Um, so I, I hear what you're saying and I know that that Modric comment does sound ridiculous when you paid 88 mil but you can't keep someone what's the point in keeping someone for 88 mil playing him 10 minutes off the bench every game not improving him in that manner he's not shown anything yet that he should be getting in that first team there is no shame sometimes in saying do you know what let's send him out somewhere let's get him some experience get him back as a better player Um but I, I, I appreciate what you say when you spend 90 million on a player. That sounds crazy. Madness. Yeah, absolute madness. Um, what I would say is you said that they need a striker. And I don't necessarily disagree that they need a striker at the moment, but they have tried the out and out number nine. 
with Lukaku. Failed. They tried it with Aubameyang. It failed. So is it really that type of player that they would need? And and of course, it depends on the manager that comes in. I I saw rumours this morning, which would break my heart a little bit because I think he's going to do really, really well wherever he goes, that they're interested in Gallardo. And that might be the reason that they're waiting until the summer to appoint someone. I'd be fuming if that happened because I think he's a fantastic manager as well. Um, I think that would be a great shout. And, and just to argue your point, I don't think they set the team up correctly when they had a Bomiang or Lukaku. Um, someone like Lukaku does his best work when he's just isolated up front. You can't ask him to track back. Bomiang's the same. They're poachers. They need to be in the in the in the eighteen yard box, waiting for crosses, waiting for balls through. They've got the quality of players that can do that in your, your Havertz and your people like that that can provide the balls. I personally think the reason they failed was the setup of the team, as opposed to necessarily those two players failing. And I think that's another key point for whoever manager they get: what setup they're going to go for, what formation they need. They've got so many players now, it makes it very difficult to know what the best formation is to get the best out of those players. But I feel like they need someone to come in to be very strong and say, we don't need him, we don't need him, bounce him, this is how we're going to play. It will be an interesting transfer window because can you, whoever they get, can you really see Bowley given he spent half a billion backing them to a whole nother level in terms of doing that again it feels like he's got to come to a point where he said look guys spent enough fucking money make do with what you've got depends who comes in doesn't it really because in the same way that we've been speaking about Conte if Conte come in Conte come in the Jesus Christ what a terrible terrible image that is Um, if Conte came in then and that's not going to happen by the way that's just a complete hypothetical but if he did come in, he would say, I would need, you know, X, Y, and Z. I'm not coming in unless you do. And it's my way or the highway. So it depends on the manager that they get. If they go and get someone like Gallardo, for example, then I could see that happening. I could see him drastically changing the players that are there and making them miles better and, and making them reach the potential. And, and Mudrick being a perfect example of that, being someone that needs that confidence boost, needs that running. And probably could get it from there. Um, But on a a more positive note for you, before we come on to the negative notes, which are this weekend's fixtures, uh, Frank Lampard isn't the only return that's been announced. Have you seen this, that Klopp has come out and said someone is back? Uh, uh, No. So Luis Diaz has got a return date. Unfortunately, that return date is the 17th of April at Ellen Road against Leeds United. Uh, he's come out this morning and said that it's unlikely that he's going to be risked against Arsenal uh, on Sunday. Uh, but as it stands, everything is looking good and he should be 100% fit for Leeds United. You are in trouble, Sunshine. Uh, that he, He's, he's, the, he's the, the magic and the spark that can bring us a little bit of a title run in. I know you're 16% supercomputer wank. That Did you, you say title running? About. Wait, I've got to stop you there. Did you say title running? I didn't mean to. Uh, Jesus Christ. Improve up the league to try and get fourth. <laughs> we're not going to get, we're not going to get fourth. It's, it's, but he, he's the one that can give that spark to give us the impetus to, to improve. And I think if you have him and Mo 
back on form. You put Nunes down the middle with Gakpo as well. All of a sudden, things can look a little bit more rosy for us. But it equally, a team of our stature and how we've been playing feels very sad that we're pinning our hopes on a guy that's in clearly injury prone and due to come back. But that is good news. I didn't know that. So um, I'm very pleased to, uh, to know that. And I wonder if if that's his date and he'll be fully fit by then, if they'll give him 20, 30 minutes in the next couple of matches just to try and bring him on and, 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 and sort of see if he can get his match fitness up to up to standard. I get the feeling that it might be, and, you know, not like me to be pessimistic here for you, I think it might be too late uh, by the time he comes back. I think unless you get a bit of a miracle this weekend against Arsenal, and I'm sure you'll agree if you played like you did against Chelsea, for example, and how you've played recently, you could be in for a drubbing this weekend, this Sunday. But I think if that game goes as we expect, by the time Diaz does come back and... I'll be honest, I don't necessarily fear Liverpool this season. And I think as as Leeds, they shouldn't be fearing you uh, because anything could happen in that game. Even if he does come back and have a blinder, and even if you do win that game, you're still probably going to be at least 10 points behind in terms of fourth place. So I think you're running out of time drastically. I think it's I think it's done, if I'm honest. Even as you know me, I'm not exactly Mr. Uh, optimistic, but I think Newcastle's particularly two results over the last couple of days, smashing West Ham and beating Man U, has probably put that out of uh, contention. I know I was talking to you yesterday and you were kind of taking the piss out of it, but I, if we can't make the Champions League, I don't want to be in Europe. I would fuck the Europa League can't be asked to play on a Thursday. I can't be asked to play on a Sunday. And it's dog shit and it doesn't mean anything to me. So I would actually rather not make Europe have the full season to rebuild. That's going to impact on recruitment, I have no doubt. And Bellingham, the chances are of getting him anyway are pretty much gone. But to me, it, Champions League or nothing for me. So I'm, I, I'm not overly fussed if we don't make Europe. The kicker is we'll probably end up putting a little bit of run and form together and then come in fucking seventh. I mean, not even getting in the Europa League, getting in the Europa League conference, which is just disgusting. It'd be interesting to, to hear what people say on this. <laughs> if anyone wants to get in touch with us on, on Twitter or whatever and, and write in, gives your opinions on this, then they're more than welcome. But the, the conversation that me and Ian had yesterday was with regards to European football uh, and essentially Ian had turned around and said um, he only would want to be in Europe if it is the Champions League uh, and anything else is a waste of time for him. And essentially, I think that's quite a self-entitled mentality for a team that's been in the big leagues for too long. Whereas if you give me, as a Leeds United fan, the Europa Conference League, I would snap your hand off to be playing teams like Braga or, you know, some Braslavan team. I'd be over the moon with that. I'd bring back any sort of European nights. But I think it's indicative of where football is today and the mindset of, of the formerly top four because obviously you're not top four anymore. But. Yeah, yeah, and I, I hear what you're saying. And do you know what? If we get in, I'll swap it with you. Please, fucking, well, please. You, you, you can have the fucking Europa Conference League or whatever the fuck it is, and we won't bother. But I think it, it my childhood is haunted by being in what was the uh, UEFA Cup, as it was then on a Thursday, 
it just ruins your season. Playing on a Thursday, playing on a Sunday, there's something so important to me uh, as a football player playing Saturday. I know you get a lot, Liverpool, particularly on the bigger games, they get moved to Sundays for the bigger games and you, you get that naturally. But playing almost every Sunday completely takes the shine off my weekend. And that's incredibly selfish. That's very pathetic. I, I, I'll hold my hands up and say that. But nah, I'm, I'm not. I mean, Europa League, if you had to, you could say it's worth it because we'd be one of the better teams in it. And of course, if you win, you get into the Champions League so that, that there isn't a, a, a carrot to be dangled there. But the fucking conference, Europa Conference League, do me a fucking favour. Don't need to be playing some team that have come fourth in Norway or Estonia. Do you know, just what, what's the fucking point? I like how your childhood and, and growing up has been haunted by things like that. Mine was haunted by playing Wickham Wanderers, Colchester, fucking losing to Histon in the FA Cup. So I, I would take your nightmares over mine, definitely. Um, other Premier League fixtures this uh, this weekend then. So we've got Villa Forest, which is quite an interesting game because of the fact that, of course, Villa are flying at the moment. Um, uh, I think, are they near the top of the form table? Somewhere near City, somewhere near Arsenal? Villa have 13 points. Uh, the only team above them is Arsenal with 15 points. City have 13 points. So Villa are flying at the moment and doing a fantastic job. Uh, they've got Forest. You would expect to roll them over uh, in that respect. So, um, yeah, I mean, Villa, Villa are looking at a, a really good team. And if you give the manager um, a seat, uh, you know, the, the, the summer, maybe clear out a few players that he doesn't want, add in a few players that he does, they, they could be flying under the radar next year and do a bit of a Brighton. Um, Brighton, I'm in, interested to see how they do and who they keep. That's the big one for me, who they can manage to retain uh, in terms of um, the, the players that they've got. Can they keep Matona? Can they keep Calcedo? Those type of players. So, um, but yeah, Villa are absolutely uh, flying. We've got uh, Leicester Bournemouth, which is a, a, a genuine six-pointer as they come. Um, Leicester looking in real trouble here. Um so that's a, a, an interesting game in terms of who can who can win. And, you know, again, for Leeds, draw would be nice and handy there. Keep both of them down there uh, and in the trouble. Spurs and Brighton, um, obviously another six-pointer in terms of Champions League places. So that's uh, an important one. Um, the way Spurs are going at the moment, Brighton are away. Wouldn't surprise me to see Brighton pull off a, pull off a win there as well. So, um Big games this weekend. Um, as you say. Leeds, we've got Palace, haven't we? So um, I still don't think Palace are necessarily safe. I think people are saying, well, they won the last game, so they'll be absolutely fine. I think if Leeds beat Palace, that's a massive confidence hit and a, monster, a massive confidence gainer for Leeds. So I think it flips both ways. Obviously, if Palace win, they're all but safe. At 33 points, they would have, what, eight games left? So you would be back in then at that point to then stay up. But... All it takes is one loss, and then you're back on that slide. They've only won one in five, so I'd be back in Leeds there personally. Hopefully, um, I agree with you. I think again, you 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 win that, and you're looking in a pretty good position. That 
maybe one one more win, one more draw, and you probably touch wood should be safe. So I think that's a massive game uh, for you guys. And Sinister is back. Obviously scored the weekend. I think he adds a lot more quality. You were raving about my favourite dog shit player, Harrison, saying that he played Ooh, well at the weekend. Really signed a new um, five-year deal, I think. See it till 2028 now. So you're not so. getting rid of that cunt for, for a little while then, it would seem. <laughs> but, uh, if he plays like he did at a um, game just gone, he can stay for as long as he likes. They're absolutely outstanding. Uh, there are a couple of other games, I think, that are worth a mention just in terms of it could be the final nail in Southampton's coffin. They've got City, aren't they? Um, this uh, it's, it's done for them. I think it's done. They, they, they're going to get smashed by City. Uh, saying that, did, 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 was it not Southampton that beat City in the Cup? They beat yeah. someone pretty good in the uh, EFL Cup. So, uh, And the way City play, they are up and down. You can never quite sort of count out. And, and, and you know, games they definitely should win, they don't always do. But they lose that. I think that's it done for them. It, ha- it has all the makings this weekend. And again, knock on wood there. Um, but it has all the makings of a fantastic weekend potentially for Leeds because you've got Fulham playing West Ham, Fulham at home, Villa Massively in form against Forest, Villa are at home. Manu playing Everton, Manu are at home. Um, I think Chelsea are playing Wolves, so Wolves could be still down there. Southampton City, we've just mentioned. Leicester, obviously, Bournemouth. And if Leeds beat Crystal Palace, the whole complexion of the league can change. So it can go from me thinking a couple of weeks ago, we're definitely down to actually we've got a real chance of staying up here. Let's hope that your predictions with football are better than your boxing ones, because otherwise every single one of those games goes to pot and suddenly leads are back down into the relegation zone. So, and I'm playing uh, in traffic shortly after. Um, but no, no, I, I agree with you. I think it's set up for this is one of those weekends that Leeds should be looking at this as this is our chance. Put some put some some space and some gap between those other teams. Let's, you know, build on that. Good performance, particularly against Palace, who, who, who are looking woeful. And they can, the pressure is off. You know, I, I'm not sure what your run in is after that. If you who, who you've got, and if you've got a couple more dog shit teams that you can you can potentially beat, but um, but you next. So that's three points. So, um, <laughs> that should probably put you safe. I would have thought. So, um, but it's, um, it's a weird yeah. one because we've still after this. So if we win this game, you're all but safe, aren't you? Because I think we're on 32 points then. So you just need probably one more win in those last few fixtures. You've got. Uh, I think we've got you at home, then it's Fulham away. So I'm writing that off. We never could in, in London. You've got Leicester at home, which is a massive game. You've got Bournemouth, one. Bournemouth away. Look look at them too. I mean, that, that that as well. I mean, even you could easily get something against Liverpool. You should beat Palace. Leicester, Bournemouth, bang, you win them. You, 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 all of a sudden, you're probably mid-take. You, you, you could go above Chelsea. Gets in Europe. Fat Frank. <laughs> but, but yeah, uh, the, no, we, the only issue with that, and, and Forest have got a very poor run of games as well in terms of the, uh, they've got some very hard games coming up. If Leeds, let's say, so they get to that Bournemouth game, they're not necessarily safe. They don't win against Bournemouth. And let's say we're on 32 points still by that point. You've then got City away. You've got Newcastle at home. You've got West Ham away, which West Ham aren't in a good place at the moment. But if it's the end of the season and they're at home, you've got to back West Ham. And then you've got Spurs at home. So they're not easy games to round the season off. And you've got to be safe, I think, by the end of that Bournemouth game. 
as I said, I think sometimes you've got to look at it and you're going to say, right, those games got to be written off. But Palace, Leicester, Bournemouth, they're the three. You take seven points, let's call it, out of them three games. Don't see you being involved in, in, in a relegation battle whatsoever. Fingers crossed. Last thing then before we go, because there's no boxing news this week, unfortunately. There's, there's nothing that we could talk about. But last thing before we go, I want you to write your own obituary and tell me a prediction for Arsenal-Liverpool. Do you know what? I, I, I'll take anything other than a 4-1, given that that's how they beat you. But um, 5-1. We've got Van Dyke to come back, who's a shadow of his former self anyway, so I'm not that keen. We've got Mo coming back. Arsenal do get at you, but they do leave gaps as well. Um, 3-2, Arsenal. I will go... Is it at Arsenal or is it at Anfield? Um, I think it is at Anfield, but let me just check. You don't even know when your own team's playing. Yeah, Anfield. I Okay, if it's at Anfield, I'll give you a bit more of an advantage. I think it'll be 4-2 to Arsenal. I think we'll lose. I've got to be honest. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not holding out a great deal of hope, but I'm not sure it will be quite the drubbing and particularly after how shit we were uh, at the weekend. Klopp feels like he's lost the dressing room a little bit to me, but hopefully if he gets into them um, and you never know, we, we've, you know, we, we, we do have a, a habit of playing poorly against some of the bad teams and then turning it on when we need to against the bigger teams. So um, a draw wouldn't be out of the question. Um, I would struggle to see us winning if I'm entirely honest with you. I don't necessarily disagree. Uh, just before we do go, just as a, a final comment and a parting comment, a big congratulations as well to uh, the England women's side who won the first ever finalissima at Wembley uh, yesterday. And they're currently on a 30-game unbeaten streak. So a uh, big congrats to them. Congrats to them because that also matches Jota's lack of goals, which is 30 <laughs> games. So um, nice little bit of synchronicity on there. Uh, there. So, um, but yeah, no, I did see that. Didn't, didn't watch it, got to be so, uh, but I did see that, that they, uh, they won that. Uh, if only the men's football team were as successful as the women's team uh, at the moment, it would uh, would be nice. Fingers crossed. There's always a time, but fingers crossed. But as always, thanks very much for listening and we'll speak to you next week. 